um, if you don't mind um, standing with me, um, I want us to declare prayer um, as we start this session. Uh, my prayer, the prayer I want us to pray about um, is this confusion that is just um, we're hearing about of declaring today as Ancestor Day. We want to pray that God would dismantle the forces of darkness and that that will not settle, that it will not settle, that there will not be a day in this country to honor the ancestors. Father, we come before your presence this morning. We declare that you only are God and there is no one else besides you. We bring the nation of South Africa before you right now and we order and we decree that there will not be a day where we celebrate and honor the dead and the ancestors, where there will not be a day where people, oh God, would circumvent the way of Christ and try to get to you and offend you, God, and belittle what Christ has done on the cross by trying to talk to you via the dead, an impossible abomination, an evil that as provocation against your kingdom and against what Christ has done. Forgive us, forgive this nation with arrogance and the evils and the confusion and the ignorance. Restore truth once again. Let the plans of the wicked be paralyzed. Let them not succeed, let them not prosper. We are a nation under God and we declare you to be our king and our God. Today we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Right, um, we, we are a people who, um, uh, because of our, of our past and because of racial polarization and differences, uh, people are now posturing and we're hearing a lot about Africans going back to who they are. And so I wanna just unpack, unpack that uh, today. We're talking about African spirituality. Yeah. And uh, I think today you're hearing a lot of people who would say that I don't, I'm not a follower of African religion, I'm a follower of African spirituality. Mm -hmm. So uh, it sounds as if there's a recent vintage, there's a recent way of addressing. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. <laughs> right? I'm sure you've heard of that before. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, whatever that means. <laughs> So today, I want us to unpack what that means, right? Some of the stuff that, um, this is, is, is actually semantics, really. Because the issue is about a worldview. Whether you call it religion or you call it spirituality, the question is, how do you view the world? It's about a worldview, right? And so at the center of this worldview is the issue of ancestralism, which is what that we're hearing about today. So we're gonna be addressing that this morning as to how do we understand African spirituality vis-a-vis African religion and the whole thing here about it. Yeah. And we're gonna start by looking at a scripture in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, um, verse nine to verse 12. And it deals with not Africans, but it deals with the nation of Israel. And why I start there is because a lot of things we think are new in the earth are not new in the earth. They've existed in the earth for longer than we ever imagined. We just have contemporary interpretations and applications of things that have been in the earth for ancient, ancient of years. And so because we address things or we call them different names, so for instance, the Bible doesn't use the word astrology, but astrology is something the Bible addresses. Exactly. It's divination by the stars, 
right? So the people who think that their future is written in the back of a magazine somewhere, I remind them, it's not. It's written in God's word. So you are not Capricorn. You're not Leo. You're not Leo. So stop that. Stop saying that you're Cap. You are not. The prognosis is a lie. It, it, everyone is told that you are a positive person. And I mean, I mean, what are the chances that there are so many people who are like that? Exactly. Exactly. So all of things are, things are lie. Their uh, divination is an attempt to know about the future without asking God. Yes. So the center of things, things is avoiding going directly to the God who owns the future. So the nation of Israel is given a promise by God that they're going to the land of Canaan. It's a powerful promise. They are from slavery, 430 years of slavery in Egypt. And, del and God delivers them out of that and tells them, I'm going taking you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. But as they're about to enter the land, Moses begins to warn them of something that is taking place in, in the land of Canaan. He says, when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found any one of you that makes his son or daughter pass over the fire, anyone that presses divination or soothsayer, or, and then concerns the dead. So God, first of all, uses the word abomination, and then he begins to classify what those abominations are, so there's no ambiguity as to what God is prohibiting. So he makes it clear what it is that God is against. Then he says, because of these abominations, the Lord drives these nations out from before you. So in other words, the Hevites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites were stripped of their ancestral land by God himself because of the abominations that they did before God. So the nation of Israel was God's instrument to met out God's punishment over the people of Canaan to a point God said to the nation of Israel, you need to kill them, even nursing infants. In other words, annihilate them from the earth. Because of what? They were practicing child sacrifice. They would sacrifice a child to an idol called Molech, a statue with burning fire on the inside, and they will hand over the baby in the hands of Molech and beat up drums to drown out the cries of the, of the baby as the baby slowly incinerates in the hands of Molech. That's how evil the Canaanites were. They practiced basality, they worshiped demons. And I believe that etymologically the word Canaan or the word cannibalism is a combination of Canaan and Baal because the Baal was the idol of Canaan. So that's what they ate. So their level of wickedness in Canaan was so vast that they could not be redeemed. They had to be annihilated from the face of the earth. Right? That's how evil they were. So the worship of the dead or the consultation of the dead did not originate in Africa. It, it was from the land of Canaan. It's not an African invention, but an African adoption. Right? And divination did not originate from Africa. It existed in the land of Canaan. Yeah. Sorcery. By the way, the Bible makes no distinction between witchcraft and divination. Yeah. Those in the Bible are used interchangeably. Right. So in the Bible, there is no such a thing as witch doctors that are supposed to be fighting against witches. In the Bible, these are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. How do I know this? Baal, Balaam. The prophet is called a prophet. A person is called the Balaam who operates in the spirit of divination. And again, the Bible says the spirit of sorcery. Yeah. The same person was a sorcerer. The same person was a divine. Yeah. All right. Divination, by the way, is not a gift. 
So when you hear somebody says, I have a gift of divination, it's not a gift, it's a spirit. Right. Acts 16, verse 16. Right. One day we're going to a place of prayer and we're met with a slave girl who had a spirit of divination who made her masters a lot of fortune. So it's a spirit. You are possessed by a spirit. The spirit speaks to When you're possessed, it's when something takes over your life and it controls you. So these people are possessed by spirits. The question is how, how, how do people get possessed by spirits, right? And I'm hearing calls right now, I'm getting inquiries, even from this area, from Christians who are being troubled by spirits of divination. And then, and then they think they should respond to the spirits positively by honoring and by doing what the spirits are demanding. These are ancient spirits mm. that are not African spirits, mm. but are invited by Africans out of ignorance. Mm. These are sadistic spirits mm. whose agenda is bloodshed yes. and blood sacrifice. That's why I believe the reason why we got 43 murders a day in South Africa is because of these spirits that need blood to be serviced. Mm. Right? So the destruction of this country is based on those kinds of things, mm. which God it hates. Now, when God hates something, However you feel about it does not change God's mind. Because God never asks for your opinion. Right? So you reclassifying an abomination as culture doesn't make it acceptable to God. Because God doesn't require your opinion about something. Six things God hates in Proverbs 6 and seven abominations before me. And then he lists them again. So when God says he hates something, guess what? He hates it. Doesn't matter who loves it. When God says he hates something, he hates it. The word abomination, as a matter of fact, is a very strong word. It means extremely hated. Disgusting, it means. That's what the word abomination means. Detestable. It's something God cannot like and cannot stand. Right? And so, African spirituality centers around the consultation of the dead. And to make it worse, it then suggests that the way to talk to God is to talk to God via the dead. There are a lot of assumptions there, there are a lot of theological concepts that I need to really unpack this morning. It's an insult, of course, to God to, uh, to say that, that I'm talking to my ancestors to talk to God. It's an insult to God in a vast manner. Number one, it assumes that the dead are in heaven. Because they have to be with God to speak to God. Otherwise, it makes no sense. It makes a huge assumption about the dead, right? Now, Luke chapter 16, the story of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which Christ speaks about, he says, now the rich man's name is not mentioned because his name, identity is not important, but his lifestyle is the issue. But Lazarus' name is mentioned. The rich man is rich and eats sumptuously and doesn't care. And Lazarus wants to be fed from the crumbs falling from the rich man's table. Both of them die because death is a common allotment for both the rich and the poor. It doesn't discriminate. Both of them die, but the angels come to fetch Lazarus. There's no angels mentioned fetching the rich man. But it still goes somewhere because everybody who dies goes somewhere. They depart. You can't depart and still be present. Exactly. It's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction in terms. Come on. Come on. So they can't be here and they are also departed. I departed from PE two days ago. I cannot be in PE as well. It makes no sense. I departed and I landed here. I can't also be in PE. So you can't have somebody who's dead and then still be present here. Which one is it, Gandhi? Are they here or they're gone? 
Come on. Right? You know, so they depart. They go somewhere. So there is a place called the afterlife. So people who die go somewhere. Even on the day of the funeral, stop talking to the person in the first person. Don't say, Zola, we miss you. No, you are also venerating the dead. Don't do that. Don't talk to the person. You can talk about the person. Even when you are grieving, don't enter that domain. It's dangerous domain. Don't grieve like that. Don't grieve like those who have no hope, First Thessalonians says. Don't grieve like that. Don't, don't wish your mother a happy birthday. She's dead. Don't wish her mother's day. Don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't matter how consoled you feel. Don't go there. You're opening a door that you cannot be able to deal with. Don't go there. Don't mourn like that. Don't mourn like that. I know it's painful. I've lost both my parents. But don't go there. Don't go there. You're opening something you're not going to be able to manage when you, that door is opened. When that door is opened, you can't shut it yourself unless you receive spiritual help. Because I deal with a lot of Christians, this happens, I'm like, what did you do? Because the devil has no power over you unless you give in him. Exactly. Exactly. What did you do? Why are you possessed? Why are you troubled? Why can't you sleep? Why are you having nightmares? There's something you have done. Yeah. In the name of, I'm trying to deal with the death of my father, death of my mother. Yes, it's painful. And God is aware of that. And he's your counselor. He's your comforter. He's a sticker. That's why it's called the father of widows, of, of orphans, and husband of widows. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he knows how to help widows deal with widow, widow mm -hmm. and orphans to deal with being, losing your parents. Mm -hmm. So he's the best counselor and a comfort than anybody else is. Right. right? And so people do these things and they, and they mourn like that and they open doors. These doors open up to familiar spirits. Verse Samuel 28. People ask me about that verse all the time. That there was a spirit that, that this woman, the witch at Indo, brought up. And I say, read again the context. So read properly. From the first verse, it says there was a war between the Israelites and the Philistines. And then Saul sought the faith, sought God to speak. And God did not speak to Saul, neither by dreams or dreams of the prophets. The three legitimate ways God has established, he did not speak. Why would he go and speak through a witch, an illegitimate source? So that is not a justification of an original answer. In fact, on the contrary, it's not. It means God had not decided to speak to Saul. Therefore, he could not, by God himself, chooses to speak through the witch. That's right. It contradicts what everything God has established. Exactly. Right? Some people say to me, what about Matthew 17, where Christ was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Elijah and Moses came up? I said, please, people. That's, that context itself does tell you very clearly. Moses represents the whole law of the Old Testament. Elijah represents the prophets. The two legs of the Old Testament is the law and the prophets. So God brings up those who still represent this, this, the law of the Old, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. He brings them up and in their presence he says the following. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Meaning you have heard these ones. Their season is over. Now I am announcing a new season that all truth will now come through my son. On the contrary, that context is going the opposite way. On the contrary, that, that, that verse it actually says the opposite of ancestral veneration. He says, This is the man to whom all truth will come true. Come on. Hear him. Come on. Come on. Hebrews 1, verse 3. In the day, in days past, God spoke through tribal fathers of tribes, but in the last days has spoken to us through his son. Exactly. Yes. So that's who we listen to. That's why, we, we, that's why we, we learn from Abraham, but we follow Jesus. We learn from David. We're not disciples of But David did this, but we're not disciples of David. But, but, but Moses did this, but Elijah did this, but, but, but Joseph did this. Yes, we learn from all of them, but we're disciples of Jesus. 
So when we ask anything, the questions we ask is not what David did, but what Jesus said. Exactly. And what Paul wrote. Because yeah. Paul will only confirm what Christ had said. Right? So we're not necessarily even, even the Bible, please understand, the Bible, everything is correctly recorded. Not everything is a correct thing to do. Exactly. In the Bible. The Bible you read, everything is correctly recorded, not everything is a correct thing to do. Things are descriptive and prescriptive. Described and prescribed. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, described, not prescribed. Right? So don't go around saying to you, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. Yeah, but what is it in the Bible? What is it saying? Judas betrayed Jesus and committed suicide. Described, not prescribed. Not prescribed. So African spirituality, this whole thing, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. And listen, there are many spirits. There are many spirits. Spirit, pe pe African people believe in nubilous spirits. Spirits have no certain distinction or, or, or clarity. So people are spiritual, spiritual. I'm a spiritual person. I see things, right? The problem is this. There's only one spirit in the whole universe with a prefix holy. One spirit. And there's a reason for that. Because there's a reason for that. He is the only one who is holy. That means I do agree that they are spirits, but they can't be holy. Exactly. Because Holy Spirit is singular. So if he's the only one who's the holy, why must I be doing with profane spirits and fallen spirits? Because like Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit makes you do holy things. Other spirits are opposite. And the Bible warns us, specifically Leviticus 19.31, give no regard to mediums and spiritists to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Amen. Meaning they are there, but it says, do not turn. Give no regard. Do not turn, it says. God knows they are there. He says, but do not turn to mediums and spirit to be defiled yes. by them. Yes. I am the Lord your God. I always wondered why would God always, when he speaks about idolatry, say these words, I am the Lord. I, mean, I thought it's self-evident. Yeah. I thought it's obvious. You are the Lord your God. Why are you saying that? Apparently, it's not evident. It's not obvious. Otherwise, you wouldn't be saying it. Because God doesn't just speak. The words are, are significant. The word Lord, the word Lord there is capitalized, L-O-R-D, capitals. Because it's one of those instances where the name of God was used. His personal covenant name, the tetragrammaton. The four-letter word, Y-H-V-H. His personal covenant name. That's when it was used in that context. It's used in the Bible over 6,800 times. Translators did not write it. So we don't really know God's personal name, but he revealed it to the nation of Israel. Over. Why? Because identity is important to God. Moses, after the bending bush experience, was not just happy with the miracle. He asked the question, who should I say sent me? It's not enough to tell them the bending bush was burning, not consumed. <laughs> I don't want to sound crazy there. I just saw a burning bush. <laughs> Tell me more about who you are. Right? That's, so the identity of the being behind the miracle was important to Moses. And God answered, I hear, I say, I hear. I am who I am. The word means I am dash dash. Whatever you need, I am. Whatever they need, I am. Not I was, not I will be. Present continuous help. 
in times of need. So when it says, I am the Lord your God, do not, do not, when it says in the book of Leviticus, you shall have no other gods before me. In Hebrew, it means you shall have no other gods besides me or in addition to me. That's literal Hebrew. I mean, it's not enough just to have me. The instruction is more than that. You shall have no other gods in addition to me. You shall not do it. It's prohibited. It's not allowed. Why? Because I am the Lord. Now, if you understood what it means for me to be the I am, you would never see a need to turn to another. Because you don't understand what it means to be the immediate I am. The, 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 the name of the Lord, God's, God has over 200 names in scripture that are revealed. Shammai, Ropeka, El Sarai, Makades, Nisi, you know, Jireh, El Sarai. These are the names of God. And every one of those names describes a specific attribute and character and nature of God. Every one of those names is a vast expression of his capacities. It's like having 200 people who are the excellent top of their class, their most highest form, engineering, in, in medicine, in science, in mathematics. 200 people but consider that one person and God is still more. Oh. And it's still more. Yeah. Right? So the name of God given to the nation of Israel was given. Now, so they did not... Now, they did not do what we do as Gentiles sometimes, where we write God's name in small caps and we write yours in, in big caps. That's how we do sometimes. Eh? You, don't, you, don't, you don't make a mistake of writing yours in small caps, but with Jesus, sometimes you, you forget. Because you, you think you have more, you have more worthy of more respect than he does. And then Jews also do not write God's name and erase it. Right? So you don't, they don't write it. So when they speak, they talk about this thing called the Hashem. You shall not take Hashem in vain. Hashem means the name. They have such respect for the name. You shall not take Hashem in vain. Mm -hmm. The name. So, so for them, the name of God was all. So during the feast of Yom Kippur in around September, the high priest will pronounce the name of God over the nation of Israel ten times. And the whole nation will lie prostrate. Yod hey vav hey. Yod hey vav hey. And everybody will be on the floor. That's such a reverence. That's why even translators could not, when you, when you translated, go and wrote God's name, the they would write, write the name of God and then go and take a shower and continue writing. <laughs> go and wash, full body wash. That's how serious they took God's name. Now to begin to associate God with divination or it's, it's irreverence. So, so in the book of Leviticus, sorry, Luke chapter 16, I was talking about Luke chapter 16. So Jesus talks about the rich man, he dies, and then he complains. There in hell, there's a place called hell. I know some of you, you are, you know, the liberal, and you think that there's no hell. How can a loving God <laughs> send people to hell? I mean, forever. No, it makes no sense. No, hell no, it's, it's figurative, it's metaphorical. It's not literal, literal fire. No, it's metaphoric. <laughs> you know, there's a new generation, it's just, it's just, that makes no sense. <laughs> I'm saying, don't take the chance, for me. I don't want to take a chance. <laughs> literal or figurative, I just don't want to take a chance. <laughs> 
Just in case it's for real. I don't want to take a sense. I don't, I don't want to find out myself. I don't want to find out. I'd rather be on the safe side. So the rich man goes to hell. What do you do in hell? He complains. People in hell, they complain. Father Abraham, can you send Lazarus to dip his finger? I am thirsty here in this fire. Right? So he's complaining of being thirsty in hell. The rich man. <laughs> I'm sure you can send some going somewhere. <laughs> so the rich man is in hell and he's thirsty. And Lazarus um, is not complaining. Because he's in paradise, Abraham's bosom. Now, what do ancestors complain of the most? Of being thirsty. <laughs> most of the time, and ancestors generally are never happy. They have mood problems. If, if you're gonna hear anything, ancestors are angry. They're always perpetually angry. They're never not angry. It's like, what have we done to you? Always angry, ancestors are angry at you. So they complain of being thirsty. Now, it's impossible to be in heaven and be thirsty. How do I know this? John 4. Jesus says to the woman of the world, you shall drink this water and thirst again. But you shall drink this water and never thirst again. Right? So you can't be in heaven and be thirsty. Why? The water of life is there. You can't be in heaven and be hungry. The bread of life is there. You can't be in heaven and be cold. Because John says, I saw those clothed and white remnant. The ancestors are always cold, always hungry, and thirsty. And then people make the food, which they eat, and leave their bones. Ancestors are fed. Who actually fed here? Or they make the drink, and they drink. Pour just one cup of food onto the ground, please. There's something called osmosis and evaporation. There's no ancestors to drain that thing. It's normal liquid on the ground, osmosis. It, dis it diffuses and then evaporation. There's nothing supernatural about that thing. It's pure science. So I've been lying to us. The ancestors have drank. They've drank what? That earth has drank their brandy. Wow. Right? So we've got all these libations that we do for the, for the dead. They do this also in Black, by the Black Lives Matter in America when they are commemorating the dead people there. They'll do libations. And I call and they do that. So this spirituality thing is confusing people. Why? Part of it is this, I'm an African. Yes, I agree with you. Acts 17 says, from one blood of man, he makes all nations on earth to dwell on the face of the earth, that they may seek after him, even though he's not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. So God has indeed predetermined the boundaries of our habitation. Not for the reasons of using ethnic diversity as pretext for rebellion. So God has allowed ethnic diversity, not for the reasons in which we claim. Yes. That all may seek after him, yes. even those not far from anyone yes. of them. That we may use our cultures to express the, the, the diversity of God. Ephesians 3 verse 10, to the intent that now is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, multifaceted, as the virgin says, may be made known to principalities and powers and rulers. So God may be worshipped in Asia in a different way, in Africa in a different way. So the, 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 the spiritual forces of darkness may be confused. But the different expressions of the same thing, but in different cultures. What's going on here? 
Chinese also do the same thing. Africans do the same thing. But in their own way, they're worshiping the same God. It's never meant for Chinese to worship Buddha and Africans to worship our sisters. They are all to worship God, but in a different way. That's how God made it. Right? So yes, we've got different cultures because we've got different ethnic groups that exist on the earth. But people use that to just, so the, the rich man is in Lazarus and they're there and the, and the Bible, the Bible parables are not myths, they're stories told to express difficult to understand concepts or truths. They are made to simplify certain truths and make them easy to understand, right? So now this thing of uh, I'm spiritual, I want to go with this thing because this is where the confusion lies and a lot of people, I don't know, I'm like, no, I, don't, I'm like, I don't go to church, you know, I don't, I don't, much, I don't like formal religion, you know, we, I mean, God hears me when I pray at home. Yes, of course it does. Uh, he hears you when you pray at home, and we're not, talking, we're not trying to idolize um, gatherings here. But we know there's a place for gatherings uh, which has a special benefit for gatherings that are not available at home. That's why it says to not forsake the habit of coming together. Because why? We provoke each other to righteousness. Yes. That's what we do. We encourage each other. One is a hymn, one is a song, one is a spiritual song. We all do the things to the glory of God. So there's a place for a gathering. But there's a place, again, this is where I think Christians are missing out. There's a place for theology. I know I'm not talking about let's go to Bible school, but the problem we have even with Christian leaders and pastors is illiteracy. Yeah. Biblical illiteracy. We are one generation with the most Bibles in the world, but the most biblical illiterate. Yeah. We have more Bibles than any generation ever lived, but we're the most biblical illiterate. Because sure. we don't read the Bibles. Until on Sunday, dust it out and bring it out. Mm -hmm. Right? So the devil, Isaiah 4 verse 6, operates on ignorance. Yes, ignorance. People like don't know the verse. I mean, I talk to priests, pastors, and leaders of churches and denominations, and I read them scriptures. Since they never see these things. They're like, oh, it's in the Bible. It's there. I'm like, it's been there like since the Bible was written. This thing was there. Doesn't come up with it. Africa didn't come up with it. I just read it. It's in the Bible. One day I'm sitting with one lady. Uh, she's a domestic helper in one house. So she she said to her uh, lady who employed her, Madam, this, no, Madam, it's because these things are in your Bible. They're not in my Bible. Because she speaks Tosa. So she was becoming clever. So I went. So she. So I went to the house. So I gave her a Tosa Bible. I told Tosa Bible. I said, Mama, let's read. So we read. Eh? She's now you're reading Tosa now. So she says, Oh, okay, okay, I see. <laughs> Then she says, but what about the dreams? Right? So, what about the dreams? It's making an argument based on experience. You find it a lot. I hear what you're saying, but. So when you make an argument based on experience, you subordinate absolute transcendent truth to subjectiveness. But Africa, you don't understand. I dream of my, of my dead ancestor. Yes, I understand that. But your subjective experience does not trans transcendent truth. Amen. You can't subordinate truth, absolute truth, to your subjectiveness. Amen. So you can't use a, a, that kind of experience. You can't use anecdotes as, as, as evidence. Evidence must span all kinds of situations and, and conditions. It can't be anecdotes. Even my preaching, even when I preach, I cannot preach experience. I preach the doctrine. I can share experience for encouragement, but I can't preach it as doctrine. And God did this for me. God did this for me. I trusted God and did this as experience. But I can't preach it. I can share it. 
for encouragement. So we don't talk about what we think of Jesus. Jesus is never a subject of our opinions. People, but, but people think that the, the more they pontificate about Jesus, it somehow it changes Jesus. No, Jesus to me is like this. And Jesus, who said he? Even but he, I read the verse. This verse, I read this verse. To me, this verse says this. No, wait. What do you mean to you? The verse has got nothing to do with you. You are not the primary recipient of scripture. You are secondary. You, are you Colossians? Are you Galatians? Are you Romans? So stop interfering with what Paul said to Romans. He wasn't speaking to you. The Bible is written for you, but not to you. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. You're not Romans. <laughs> but you can learn from what Paul said to Romans. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you can't change what Paul said to Romans. Yeah. Right? So it's important to understand that what Paul says to Galatians, you can't change, but you can learn from it. Mm -hmm. So and interpretation does not change, but application does. Mm -hmm. So and the application is contextual. Yeah. So we can bring it to our context, but we can't change interpretation. If I write Andrew an email and read 50 years down the line, you can't change what I said to him, but you can learn from the communication back and forth. But you can't change what I said. He understands it, so you have to ask yourself, what did he understand? What did he hear me say? What is the context of our communication? What question did he ask of me or which I'm responding to? Look at the whole thread of communication and understand what we are saying to each other, not what you think we are saying. Right? So we come to God as Gentiles. And we come to a God who revealed himself to Hebrew people. Mm -hmm. And we cannot make that God subject to our views of him. Mm -hmm. Right? We can't. Mm -hmm. We have to ask him and find out from the people to whom he first revealed himself to. Who is this God? How is he worshipped? In Deuteronomy 12, verse 31, it says, You shall not worship the Lord your God in the same way yeah. these nations worship their gods. Yeah. In other words, worship is universal, but you shall not adopt the manner of worship of the pagans mm. and bring it over to God. It's in an unacceptable So, a worship is though, so a person who says they worship does not mean they worship God. Mm. Even demons believe in God and they tremble, yeah, yeah. but they're not Christians. Yeah. So worshiping, a belief in God does not make you a child of God. You might be a demon. You might be a demon. The issue that is a bone of contention is the Christ. Everybody claims to believe in God until we nail it down to one person. What about Jesus? That's where the whole thing gets messed up. The great pontate, the king of kings, the fairest of 10,000, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. It's about the Christ, the Christos. It's about the Christ. When John looked at him and says, therein is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's what the issue is all about here. It's that thing. It's about the Lamb of God. Right? And so people have no problem with God. They have a problem with Jesus. Yeah. The rock of offense. Yes. The stone the builders have rejected. The chief cornerstone. That's what they have a problem with. The man who stands and says, I enjoy, and, and, and Thomas says, well, how do we know? How do we go to the Father? He says, Thomas, I've been with you all along. And you still ask of me to show you the Father. I 
If you sin me, you've sinned the Father. Amen. And it declares, he uses absolute statements, absolute statements, unapologetic. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to my Father Amen. except through me. Amen. Whatever you do with that, that's your business. I just said it. <laughs> Put it out there, you deal with it. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 5, 2 5, there's one God, monotheism, there's one God and one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Yes. So ancestralism is an insult and a rejection of Christ. Sure. That's why in African religion, African religion does not believe in sin. Yeah. Against God, that is. Yeah. Sin is against ancestors. So that's why there's no savior, there's no salvation. So actions on earth are inconsequential with regards to eternity. You can do whatever you like so long as you don't mess up with the ancestors. That's all. The moral system is only based on fearing the dead, never fearing God. God has never spoken. They believe God lacks communicative competence and definitive personality traits. So God is a force, not a person. He's never spoken, therefore we don't have laws from him, therefore we've got nothing to respect or so there's no sin because sin is based on what is revealed truth. You can, there's no sin unless a, a law has been given. Sin is a, is a breaking of a given law. Where there is no law, Paul says there is no sin. Right? So by rejecting the law of God, they therefore believe that they are free of any obligation to honor God. So imagine the moral system in societies that are, that are governed by African religion. Wow. Secondly, African religion is based, on, well, is based on how to maximize fortune and how to minimize misfortune. It's not based on the worship of God. So the issue is this, I am running away from misfortune, which is, and running away to fortune. So that's why even in, in, in evangelical churches, especially you guys here in Jobek, you go crazy eating grass and... <laughs> And the stuff you do here, I don't know. We watch you on TV, like, what are they doing? <laughs> Lord of mercy. <laughs> you know why? You know why people are prepared to eat grass? It's because in the back of their minds, they're not delivered from African religion worldview, which is they see God as a source of fortune. So they worship God not for who He is, but for what He does. You need to get to a place like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where you make your decision and your mind once and for all that there is a God in heaven who is able to deliver us from your fire. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we will still not bow. That's why I told people many years ago, I said, look, I'm not traveling to Lagos when TV just was out. I said, I'm not going to Lagos for prayer. If I die, I die. I never bow to a false prophet. If I die, I die. Well, those of you are shocked, yes, we don't know Chippewa was a false prophet. That's your problem. If you believe in him, that's your problem. I've said it. It's over. Now let's go to the next point. <laughs> How do you know who's a false prophet? Anybody who brings attention to themselves, not Christ, is a false prophet. We go to church, we've met a prophet, we should leave the church full of God, not the prophet. Never talk about the man of God, talk about the God of the man. Anybody who makes you more aware of him and less aware of God is a false prophet. Isaiah 6. In the temple, I saw the Lord. His presence filled the whole room. His train filled the whole temple. Today, the men of God's train fills the house of God. 
right? And so because of this obsession with the supernatural, regardless of its source, Christians are sent. The Bible says there shall be deception. Even the very elect could be deceived. So false lying wonders and miracles are the issue that devil uses it to, to evangelize and bring people into his kingdom. And therefore you should not fall in love with miracles. You should fall in love with God. You should love Jesus so much, not because he makes life good, but because he's better than life. That you make up your mind that I want healing, I'm not getting healing. And somebody says to you, Isaiah 8 verse 9, when they say unto you, seek those who matter, those who have spirit of nation, should not a people seek their God? Why should they seek the, the, the living, the dead on the behalf of the living? In other words, you got to a place where your healing doesn't come and you're waiting on God to heal you. Do not visit a diviner. You die if you have to die and go to heaven. Why? Why gain anything and lose your soul? Why go to hell? with both eyes, rather than go to heaven with one eye. Yeah. Such as it says. Yeah, yeah. So what if the, the diviner helped you? There's no free lunch. Mm. You just sold your soul, and you will pay a price for it. Mm. There's no free lunch. Mm. You've just walked away from the covenant of grace, and you want to suffer for it. Number one, first of all, spirits of darkness have helped you, and they don't help you for free. You have to service them, and you have to keep honoring them, otherwise there's a backlash. And it may not hit you, it may hit your children. It's multi-generational. When Abraham paid tithes, the Bible says that Levi, who was born four generations later, paid tithes in the loins of Abraham. It's called representational issues. So you were not there, but your father was. And he spoke and made covenants, and you were part of it. So as an African person, when you come and become aware of your history and where you come from, you get to go face it again like Josiah did, who's prophesied 400 years before his birth. The Josiah shall come, a man called Josiah shall come, and he will destroy on this altar the priest of Baal. That young man rose up. They pick up the scrolls when they rebuilt the temple and they read them, but he tore his clothes and he repented. The next thing, they killed the prophets of Baal on the same altar. Right, the generation must rise up. That's like a, with a Josiah anointing. Amen. I'm the first generation of Christian, obviously. Some of you are. But I'm not just the first generation of Christian. I'm an aggressive. Because why? Because I come from a bad, bad past. Maybe some of you had a nice, maybe you had a nice life. Me, life was bad. So I have, I have issues to settle the devil. The devil hates me, I hate him. The feeling is mutual. We hate each other. We hate each other. So I'm not like, I'm not like, I don't pray prayers, hey, Father God. I don't know, no, 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 no. Hey, Father God, no, if you like, no, 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 no. There's a lot of stuff I come from. They almost killed me. I, almost, I was bewitched. I would, I, was, I would be sick all around exam times. I would be well the whole year. During exams, I would be sick. I was bewitched. I went to start. My parents died at a young age. My, I was young. I, I grew up as an orphan. I suffered. I didn't have time to play games in church. I didn't have time to play games. I'm aggressive. My grandfather was a witch doctor, a famed medium. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking a big one. Because that's ranking. No, my grandfather was, was, he was high. He could cause lightning in heaven. He was a witch. So sorry. He had magic. He operated at a high level. He was a priest. High level witchcraft. Lightning in heaven he could cause. 
control nature. And then I'm born. <laughs> then I write a book about the Federation of Ancestors. How do you like God? <laughs> and I write a book about, now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not foolish to think that the devil is not uh, perturbed by my presence. Yeah. I am aware. Yeah. But I don't have a problem. Yeah. Because I know whom I serve. Yeah. I know the sacred place of the Most High God. Yes. The shadow of the Almighty. Ah. That I shall say the Lord is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I know that 10,000 shall fall upon myself and 10,000 by my right hand. But no evil shall come nigh unto me. Neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling. Yeah. I know that. I know that. Right? So we don't play around these things. Because these things have destroyed families, have killed. Listen, people have gone money, money from witchcraft. People are wealthy because of covenants of darkness. They drive expensive cars, they have big presents because they have some rooms in their house that no one can enter in because they've got spirits there and they've got a snake there and they sleep with snakes. People have done major things for things. And the devil said to Jesus, I will give you the kingdoms of this world if you were to buy up to me. And I'm saying if one of us was the one sitting there, we would have bowed long time ago, the devil. We'll say, when am I bowing? When is it? When am I bowing? Like, when are you, when are you, like we'll be saying, when? When am I bowing? We'll bow immediately. Why? Because he was promising the kingdoms of this world, all the wealth of the world, the devil was promising Jesus instantly, only for bowing before him. He says, thou shalt worship the Lord and him alone. Amen. Right? So fortune is the thing that drives people to the spirits, looking for fortune. That's why they're called fortune tellers. Right? And so we are people who, who have to trust God and wait on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount with wings as eagles. We shall wait on the Lord. We don't, the woman who's barren, we don't, we, don't, we don't go to a diviner in order to have a child. I mean, if the diviner can break your barrenness and have a child, what child is that you've just given birth to? What, what baby is that you've just given birth to? That came through a muti. What man is that that you are married to that you got through a muti? You want a heart? You want a, you want, you want a, you want a partner? Come, they, they give you everything. You know, go to CBD right now. If you go to Johannesburg, you've got all these placards. And you, you want to enlarge your manhood, you do this. And you want to win lotto. You want, you want to win world court cases. You want, you want a lava. Ha! So here am I with a lava. I know how I got. And you know that for me to, to maintain the relationship, I must maintain what brought the relationship. Because the lover will be gone. So I must keep going back there for renewals. Because I know that this one is here, not because they love me, but because I am working them. Yeah. The day they got born again, they get delivered from your witchcraft. There's a day they leave the house. Because the day of deliverance will come. People who dwell in darkness have seen a great light, because Matthew says. Right? And so people were like, and people use this thing, um, anthropos anthropocentric spirituality. Men said that spirituality. So they use the logic. If it works, it's correct. Consequentialism is called. Consequentialism is judging actions based on consequences. But I went to the same home and I got healed most. So what's wrong with that? It's called consequentialism. Consequentialist ethics. We're not consequentialists. Right? We believe in deterology. We believe in command theory. We believe we do something because it's right or wrong, not because it does good. So avoid this. 
because people will make an argument based on consequentialism. But I was helped when I went there. That's consequentialist ethics. The, the means, the end justify the means. Yeah. We don't do that as believers. Sure. We do what God says, whatever the consequences. Yeah. Whatever the consequences. I didn't get healed after prayer. That's it. Let the will of the Lord be done. Yes. Ow! Job said this. After the second chapter of Job, his wife at the end says, Ibo, just curse God and die. Yeah, yeah. Ibo, should we expect only good from God? Yeah. He says, you are a foolish woman. Yeah. I will not do what you are saying. God giveth, God take it away. Let the will of the Lord be done. Yeah. And, says, and all that Job did not sin with his mouth against the Lord. Yet he lost all his children, all his wealth, and it yeah. boils in his, in his, in his, his, and everything went bad. He was sitting there on the dust, and ashes, his friends came and visited him and sat for seven days and seven nights, saying nothing to Job, because his grief was great, it says. They couldn't say a word for seven days. Imagine your friends visiting you for seven days and keep quiet. A level of grief is unheard of. But all of this, Job did not sin with his mouth. We must be that aggressive. Right. So as we bring this to a close, I need to share with you just one or two things. Um, the blackness agenda, the blackness agenda is going to affect a lot of people badly. This thing is not going to end nice. It's going to end in tears. <laughs> Nobody is an outer accroachment. Nobody is defined by the skin. It might be the biggest organ of the body. The problem in the earth is not the skin, but the sin. I am not defined by my blackness. I define it. I have a black skin. It's accidental, not causative to my identity. It's not the source of my identity. It's incidental to my identity. Right? So I do not apply to be born black. I hereby apply, hereby apply to be born black, male, cause speak. I didn't apply. So I cannot derive identity from something that I am not responsible for. A product is defined by the one who makes it. It does not self-identify or define. And God never defined anybody as black. Yeah. Or white. Yeah. Not a single part of scripture you'll hear God defining you with your race. Yeah. He calls us sons and daughters. Yeah. And sonship is not end. You become a son by, by birth, mm. not by behavior. Yes. Right? And so what God wants to do is to go to the age place of sonship where we are heirs of the Father. Yeah. So people use, so there's these demographic boxes that we are born into. These are loaded terms, believers. These are loaded terms. These are not superficial things. They're loaded. When we gravitate towards these identity constructs, they have to, therefore, we have to adopt what comes with the box. You can't pick and choose. If you make your bed, you must lie in it. If you think your skin color is the primary construct of identity, therefore, you must live with the consequence of that worldview. Because those who define me as black expect me to behave like black people behave. Whatever that means. I'm not just black. I'm black because there's an expectation of behavior conforming to blackness. Yeah. 
That's why it says, do not learn. It's learn behavior. Counts as learn behavior. You learn things. Whatever you learn, you can unlearn. Now, when I'm talking about blackness or whiteness, I am not referring to an idea that throw away blackness and embrace whiteness. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying, this is wrong, they take this one. I am not saying, there's none of that at Rome are right. What is right is up there, not in here. (laughs) Right? And so, therefore, what needs to happen is understand this. When people, first of all, people will say to you, one of the things you get, especially as a young person, you are self-hating. Self-hating black person, you're self-hating. Since you've been going to that church, after every nation church, all white people have been deceiving you, you're self-hating. You're not like yourself as a white person. That's why people, you must be careful of the churches. White man's religion. I'm like, okay. So white people wrote the Bible to oppress black people. I'm like, really? Let's, let's address this just for a moment. So white people wrote the Bible to oppress black people. And then white people wrote in the first chapter of the first book to black people that are made in God's image. Yeah. <laughs> and they're trying to oppress them. What? Do you feel oppressed by the idea of being made? I mean, I'm like, wow, white people are not clever. What do they think about that? <laughs> You're made in God's image and they're trying to oppress you. I'm like, oh, yeah. Just, they, they didn't get it right, the whole thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's impossible for white people to have written the Bible. You know, it's impossible. First of all, I don't even use the Bible to argue this point. I use history. I'm like, okay, let's throw the Bible away. Look, do you read history? Yes, yes, historians. Okay, how was Europe three, three four, five hundred years ago? Barbaric, backward, cannibalistic, no health system, no hygiene. And Christianity saved Europe from the Middle East. Which history are you reading, actually? Because it's in history that Europe was backward, backward, paganistic, cannibalistic. It's in history. No Bible is, and, and, and Christianity saved Europe, gave you the Ten Commandments, gave you the Torah, gave you the moral system, the civilization. It saved Europe. Mm. It was not Europe did not invent Christianity. Christianity saved Europe from what it was. So what are you talking about? It's in history. Mm. When history, you say you're a historian, why you read history properly, not selectively? All right? Jerusalem is not in, it's not in, it's not in, it's not in London, it's not in, it's not in the UK. Even the naming of children in, in English are using biblical names, yeah. like David. We have so we've Englishized the names of David. They're not in Hebrew like David, but we've Englishized them and done transliterations. But the Johns and the Thomases and the Peters, they're in the Bible. Yeah. Right? So the Bible has, re- has redeemed and, and saved Europe when they embraced it. And when they threw it away right now, they're suffering the consequences. Mm-hmm. But that's what Europe is. Europe is there because of Christian influence mm-hmm. and Christianity. Where the emancipation, when every culture in the world oppressed women, every culture, but even Judaism. Christianity is the only, Jesus is the only king who mentions women in his lineage. Hallelujah. No king does. Every king follows a patrilineal line. Only sons are mentioned. No, no daughters. Christ mentions four women. Two of them are women you should want to mention in your lineage. The Rahab, a prostitute, and a Moabite. He mentions them in his lineage. Breaks a protocol of kings who omit women mentioned. Mm-hmm. And in John and Peter and Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, but we're one in Christ. And then talks to a woman of the world, breaking every protocol. A Jewish male does not talk to a woman alone. And talks to a woman of the world, a Samaritan to make it worse. And a half-breed, an impure breed according to Jewish interpretation, who avoided the city of Samaria, they will go through Judea and avoid, and go to a long route, avoiding Samaria, which was in between Jewish cities. Because they considered them to be impure. He goes to Samaria, not because he's thirsty. Exactly. 
but because the water was the conversation starter. He was looking for the city of Samaria, and the woman was the entry point because she was well known for her fornication. Therefore, Jesus knew that let's use this one who's known for these reasons to bring another message that people have never heard of before. Let's use this one. Redeeming this woman, redeeming her womanhood, redeeming her as a daughter, and bringing her back into her dignity and value. Where every other male around her had used her, he restores her. Right? So I'm just saying to you, this thing of uh, blackness or whiteness is going to be a problem if you use it for what people are, are suggesting. So for me, I have accepted this label that I'm a coconut, <laughs> that I'm self-hating. I will accept every label except that I wouldn't want to be known as a person who betrays Jesus. Yeah. Amen. I will accept every label so long as Jesus is happy with me. So long as one, I'm, so, so long as I have an audience of one, yeah. one will say to me, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. So long as he is pleased, I can take any, any person's criticism. Right? So if we are living for the applause of other people, your family, your friends, your colleagues, you will then for certain days wear beards uh, from the ancestors and for witch doctors and for whatever, wear this and wear that and, and wear these things because that's how you project being proud. I'm a proud African person. But I'm more proud when I know what God has in mind for the African continent. I'm more proud when I know the redemptive plans of God for the continent of Africa. That the Lord will use this continent as the last mile of revival. That God has plans to be using us as a sending station, no longer as a receiving station of missionary. I'm more proud of that. That God will once again visit us like he did when Jesus was here for two years under Herod's Expert. That God has not forgotten us that we have Jesus in this continent for two years. That we had the last man to carry the cross of Christ as a black man. That God cannot forget people like us. He cannot forget us. That Simeon was a prophet in Acts 13, was part of people who ordained Paul and Barnabas. That we were worshiping God before missionaries came here. That the first convert, Ethiopian eunuch, was converted by Philip, a Jew, before missionaries came here. We had a eunuch. So God knows us that the queen of Sheba went to Solomon to worship God. In the Old Testament, people of Africa were worshiping the living God, the Yahweh of Israel. Before missionaries came here, we knew God, and God knows us. He calls, he mentions Ethiopia in Egypt, in scripture. They're mentioned by name. So the Lord God knows us. We are not cursed. We're not forsaken. We're not the, the, the stepchildren of God. You know, people think we're the stepchildren, the forgotten ones. He knows how to restore us, how to redeem us, how to bring us back. And he knows that we are spiritual people. He knows that we are not the kind of people, I'm atheist, the people, you know, I don't believe. Africans, there are very few Africans who say I don't believe. Africans believe in something, whatever it is. It's in our nature. <laughs> Africans don't go around, I am an atheist. They're very Africans, no. You gotta believe in something. <laughs> so God knows we are very open to the spirit. That's why for us, oh, it's not difficult. We don't sing like for early we, we, we can sing one song, in fact, one chorus. Yeah, one chorus, just one chorus. We are already inside. <laughs> and for us, the chorus doesn't have to start with the musician. A key, the key of C. I don't even know any keys, for instance. <laughs> but I know how to worship. <laughs> the song can come from here or from here or from anywhere. 
We didn't, we didn't practice the song. It's not part of our set. What are you talking about? What set? <laughs> Africans don't have a set. They have a song inside. There's a set here. The set is already living. When we're walking, we're working, we're cleaning the house, we're singing. What we are singing. When we, what we are singing. A song never ends. We're singing people. That's why the American spirituals, the slaves in America, the plantations, they were, they were oppressed, but they sang. They sang a song of the Lord. They sang and they had harmonies. And they kept themselves encouraged in their oppression by singing. Oh, you put white people there, they would have long died. Let's stop it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> Pastor Africa, pray and bless us. Won't you stand? Just receive a blessing. I know we let it run over, but seriously, I felt like God said, you know, this message is important. And I believe even the recording of this message is going to impact far beyond you. Yeah. So, Pastor Africa, thank you so much. Pray and bless yeah. us before we go. Yes. Father, we give you praise this morning. This continent is our Africa. Lord, we come to you. 52 countries of Africa, we bring them to you. All nations of this continent, all 3,000 tribes and over 5,000 different dialects, we bring the people of Africa before you. They've been, they've suffered a lot through oppressive leadership and colonization and imperialism and oppression and dictatorships. Father, there are so many that are now in wars and running away for their lives and displaced and uh, killed and some of them raped and human trafficking and so many bad things happening in this continent. But this is not a dark continent. We reject that label right now that has been given unto us. We're a continent of light. We're a continent of light. We declare the light of God burning and the fire of God burning over the continent. We know that God, you have plans for us. As Africans, we stand before your presence right now, dedicating our lives, dedicating this land, this piece of land before the Lord our God. We let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Yes. Lord God, scatter the enemies of your kingdom that are in this continent. We thank you that here in this city, no witchcraft will be able to operate of our lives. And Father God, no curse will work, no divination against Israel, the people of God. And, and no one here, Father God, who is troubled by spirits of divination, they will not succeed. I curse them right now. I block, I paralyze the work of darkness over every child of God, every visitation in the night, every premonition, every disturbance in the night, nightmare or whatever father thing people are afflict, afflicted with. We bring the blood of Jesus over everyone's life right now. We speak the blood that speaks better things than the blood of goats and bulls. We declare the speaking of the blood of Jesus. We declare that we are washed in the blood. We are protected. That you have given your angels charge over us. That Father God, we are the people of God. We release the fire of the living God over us. We are a people of your presence. We are people of your presence, people of the throne. We are throne room people. We worship beyond the veil. We meet with God face to face. We don't need mediators. We don't need anybody. We come face to face with God and we're changed from glory to glory as we be 
behold you in your face, Father God. This morning we declare that they will not, even in this city, we declare that days of false prophets and water spirits and marine spirits and people who come to this country and this nation and this city with false spirits from other countries. We close the borders of this nation, Father God, as stewards of this land. We shut the borders to every false operations. We release a new spirit of discipleship, a new spirit of word-based church and, 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 and people who love the people and work of God and souls being worn and a kingdom being advanced. We come against self-centered leadership and church that kind of serves a man of God. We declare those days are over, Father God. We thank you that you are watching. Oh, we pray for our president right now and our, and our country and our leaders. That they will once again, Father, we hear stories of President Ramaphosa. He once an SEO member, a Christian, a spirit field. Restore this man once again, Father God. Bring him back to the fear of God. Bring them back to the fear of God. I know they are now influenced by a lot of new age and Africanism and those things. And Father God, restore them once again to the fear of the living God. That we will serve the God and no one else. We give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Sure.